0: Far from you. Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey, podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal,
1: and I'm here today with Bruce
0: McCurdy. Hey, Bruce.
1: Hey, David. How are you doing tonight?
0: Uh, really good. Uh, mm-hmm. Team Canada, Junior Team Canada won. Dylan Gunther of Edmonton, a Canadian hockey hero. Way to go, kid. Way to go, Dylan Gunther. Fantastic uh, first goal of the game. Yeah. Just a rifle, a
1: rifle yeah, shot. a shot or what. Wow. And uh,
0: he could do that in the NHL and score some he goals.
1: Will. And he will.
0: And he will. And then the overtime goal, which was fantastic. Just a great play. Um. Now, and then the Oilers came up, Bruce, and, and had easily one of their best games of the year, a 4-2 win of the New York Islanders, a game they had to win, especially after having a team meeting. If you lose after having a team meeting, man, what, what is the point of team meetings then?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Maybe there is no point. But it's good to win after the after the team meeting, after you have a heart-to-heart with all the other players and everyone decides to play better fundamental defensive hockey. And that's exactly what the Oilers did, Bruce. The according to our count, the Grade A shots were uh, 17 to 4 for the Oilers in this game. Um, and the five alarm shots subset of five alarm shots, Grade A shots, go in about on average 25% of the time. Five alarm shots, 33% of the time. The the uh, the five alarm um, rate was eight to two for the Oilers. The order the Islanders only had two Grade A shots, and they scored on both of their Grade A shots. Um, so just dominating performance. What did, what's your and we'll, and because of it, go ahead. but what, what was your top? Yeah, head- well,
1: that's. I think that's going to be my first good thing. Is that this was the best to me the best home game of the Oilers, uh, answering their many critics that were complaining that uh, they weren't doing a very good job on home ice, pointing out they'd lost five in a row, a number I heard a few times today on the radio and uh, on the TV broadcast at home ice. And they came out hard, played a great first period, and then they never really let up, David. I mean, there was a couple of goals in there, but I didn't find there was any sort of stretches of action where the orders, you know, gave up a goal and then sort of fell back on their heels for the next 10 minutes or uh, anything like that. I thought they kept up their intensity level. And I thought their defensive intensity and performance in the third period was really good, and you know leading four to two, and and they were, uh, you know, taking the chances and spending a lot of the time in the zone you know, of the Islanders in the third period and controlling the puck down there, and just not giving them much. And Oilers, in fact, outshot New York 11 to 7 in the third period, and 38-22 on the night. Like it was just a game where Edmonton was the better team, start to finish. And um, for one game at least, and that's all the sample size we're dealing here. But for one game, they turned it around on their home ice, and they did show the other guys who was boss. And really, they should have won that game by a larger margin than they did. But I'm sure everyone in the room is happy with a four-two win.
0: That 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 was indeed a good thing, Bruce. And you know, I'll, I'll point out, like um, in terms of um, home uh, um, margin in uh, differential in grade A shots, which is one way to measure the dominance of a performance. You can go by goals, or you can, mm-hmm. or you can get into more of a process kind of stuff, like grade A shots the only, only once this year at home, all season in fact only once all season of the Oilers had a bigger grade a shot differential than this game uh it was 13 in this game the grade a shot differential against the Anaheim Ducks the Oilers had a grade a shot differential of 18 Bruce 26 um 26 to 8 in that game and they lost that game Bruce so um this this one they did manage to to they managed to babe. win that game. They did manage to win this game, Bruce. I, I'm just gonna quickly slide in my, a little bit of research. Of this I, I was kind of shocked when I figured when I found this out. You know, there's this idea that you can get goalied, it's called, or the goalie steals a mm-hmm. game. Oh. and it's and it's a, you need a combination of a couple things. You need one, your team has to play really well and lose because the other team's goalie was. Outstanding, and usually your goalie was crap. So Sometimes. the the Oilers, um, they've they've been dominated ten times in Grade A shot differential, um, by a differential of four or more than that. And not once has the Oilers have the Oilers goalies come up big and goalied the other team in any of those ten games where the Oilers mm-hmm. themselves have been dominated. But this is the fourteenth game where the Oilers have dominated the other team in terms of Grade A shot differential. And Bruce, the orders have lost seven of those games. They've been goalied in seven games. That is a major difference. That's seven wins that the, this you know this team has uh, given away because they got goalied, you uh, know, or the other goalie stole it. But. Made all the worse because they their goalies have not been able to do it. So, and I was worried all game long. Honestly, this was my biggest fear watching the game, mm-hmm. all game long. That this was this was going to be the story again, especially when it got to be two to one. I was thinking, oh no, it's going to happen again, and um, it didn't. So my good thing is the third goal because it was when the third goal came about that I I thought, okay, the script is. It felt different all the way along. Campbell looked more calm in that, and the owners seemed more calm and more disciplined. They weren't giving up much, but it wasn't until that third goal that I started to think, okay, they really are going to pull this one out. And it was a, it was a, it was a really fantastic goal in a lot of ways because it it, it uh, featured some players who have been getting some heat lately. Younger players on the team who haven't necessarily uh, played up to expectations for one reason or another, often due to injury. Um, uh, in at least two of the cases, uh, I don't. Has Holloway been injured this year. Still in Holloway. Yes. Maybe?
1: Yeah, he got he got hit with a really heavy, uh, high check where he was, uh, you know, concussion-like symptoms. I think. All right. Is the, is- far as we heard. But uh, yeah, he got cranked. Okay.
0: So all three of these players that I'm going to mention in, in, in this sequence there's actually four in the in the ongoing, in the virtuous cycle that led to this goal. It starts off with Kyler Yamamoto winning the puck along the boards um, and uh, throwing it uh, in the neutral zone, throwing it over to Philip Broberry who rushes in, charges in. For one of the few times this year He's he, he got on his horse, charged in, showing some confidence. And I thought he actually showed it He's starting to show hard pop, and it's all game long. And this is what he's got to do if he wants to make it in the NHL big time, which he's fully capable of doing, given his talent stack as a player. He's got to just go for it. And he did. He rushed the puck in. They kept it in. And the order started to move it around. Yamamoto made a nice play um, in the zone. They were passing it around. Um, It goes to um, the point at one point, and he puts it over to uh, Ryan McLeod, who makes a really nice pass um, uh, kind of um, across the ice crossing pass high in the zone to, to uh, Dylan Holloway who one timers the puck into the net. He just hammers this shot. It is an excellent shot screened heavily by both um, some Islanders players and Derek Ryan, the, the veteran out there who was involved in it. So it, you know, it's, it's interesting. Yamamoto, Broberry, McLeod, now that i think of it all these players have had fairly significant injury problems this year and it's and when we start to get carping about these players and sometimes that's not mentioned it's not top of mind it's just just uh they're not playing that well well you know they've all been fighting through some some injury problems which are not insignificant then getting trying to get back up to speed um get everything going again but that was uh a crucial goal and it was great to see holloway get it because he does have skill we've been seeing flashes of it and finally his his nhl level skill paid off with an nhl level goal oh, and wow. a, a crucial goal and a big game for for this team which is you know when you're a 500 team a real 500 team you know every game is a big game because you can't afford to lose you're going to fall out of the playoff race. So. Right, that's the position the orders in. They have no, you know, they don't have any easy games, but they needed to win this one, and that goal was, I think, the key moment in in that in this victory.
1: Yeah, well, after they'd they'd given up the two nothing lead to two one, the next goal was was absolutely massive, and we've seen a few times where the other guys got the two one and the two two goal, and then they just kept yeah. on rolling. Uh, so to get that one, and uh, so. Long time coming for Dylan Holloway. I think the first one, his first was on November 26th, and it too was a huge game tying goal in the third period at Madison Square Garden where he beat uh, Remember that. Uh, Igor Shosturkin. Well, tonight he beat uh, uh, Sorokin, the hotshot netminder for uh, New York Islanders, uh, uh, Elias Sorokin, uh, with a great shot from high up. And this one, in fact, turned out to be the game-winning goal. So that'll be his his first in that column in the NHL And and uh, a big play in the flow of the game In fact, I thought he was really good th- uh, f- For large stretches This game He drew a penalty And he uh, uh, he made a really nice pass To McLeod for a great chance uh, Late in the game And So he's going to get a nice grade Tonight, one of a lot of Oilers who will
0: He almost scored right at the end of the second On that kind of weird bounce um,
1: mm-hmm. I know um, chipped that in Yeah, I just couldn't quite reach
0: in. it yeah, what is your second good thing?
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with Kyler Yamamoto, who I thought had a splendid game tonight, and uh, I'll single out a, a few few plays, but a, in general terms, like he was a positive factor. Wasn't around uh, winning puck battles and uh, uh, getting into uh, uh, you know right right into the uh, right into the hurly burly of uh, of hockey at five foot eight, 153 pounds. Uh, He drew the penalty that led to the uh, Oilers power play goal that opened the scoring, the uh, Leon Dreisettle executioner shot that made it one nothing. Uh, Then he scored the two nothing goal himself on a shorthanded rush with McDavid uh, where he passed to McDavid, deferred to McDavid, McDavid just passed it right back to Yamamoto and and rather than look for another pass uh, he actually uh, took the puck to the net, made a great toe drag on the D-man, I think that was uh, Noah Dobson, went right around him and fired a a low shot that found a hole in uh, Ilya Sorokin Uh, and that was the goal that turned out to be the 500th assist of Conor McDavid's career so Kyle Yamamoto's got a highlight that's going to be shown quite a few times in the years to come because when he gets to 600 they'll show the other the way they did tonight you know 100 200 300 now they've got another one in that highlight reel it was this very pretty goal nice beautiful play i thought by uh, yamamoto uh he had i, I like his work on the penalty kill from as simple as just winning a board battle and clearing the zone when the team had been under pressure and they needed a line change but uh, crucially, a, uh, a really superb, inch-perfect lob pass that he made to Leon Dreisaitl, where he'd pass it up and over uh, the defenders, and Leon just surged onto it and went in uh, alone and was just robbed by Alkin uh, on that one. Uh, but that was a, a gorgeous uh, alley-oop kind of play. And it's nice when you can do it. Well, Kyler saw it, and then he executed it. And he couldn't have done it, put it in a better place. Uh, and then finally, right near the end of the game, he made what I saw as really the only obvious mistake that he made, which was an unnecessary icing that led to uh, New York being able to pull their goalie and a face-off in Edmonton's end with three minutes left, still down by two. And he responded to that uh First of all, he nearly scored an uh, uh, empty net goal where he was. Uh, it was a terrific defensive play by Pulak that uh, prevented him from scoring. But then when the Islanders came back up the ice and it looked like they had a couple guys open on the left side, the cross seam pass came over. And whose stick is it that goes into the lane and tips it up and over the glass? Kyler Yamamoto. So he kind of made up for his mistake there uh, by, uh, by killing the next uh, New York thrust. So all in all, I thought we saw the range or a big part of the range of Kyle Yamamoto's game tonight, not included. Battling for pucks, shooting a goal, making an absolutely fantastic pass, uh, doing great work on the penalty kill and showing a good defensive stick. I mean, that's a lot of things.
0: To belabor belabor my earlier point, I, th- I I thought we saw finally a healthy Kaito Yamamoto tonight, like like increasingly healthy, feeling good about himself. Mm-hmm. Like, that and, and he takes a lot of he takes a lot of uh, big beating out there. It's I don't know about how durable he'll be, like in his yeah. NHL career, you know, given his size and. Uh, uh, but we did see the Kaito Yamamoto, who was able to score twenty goals last year, uh, tonight and. Um, He's a fun, he's a really fine hockey player. He he really digs in there, makes all kinds of great plays. And have the orders ever missed that hockey player, he's such a key guy uh, when he's healthy and playing like that. So it, it really was excellent to see. Mm-hmm. And and I do note like yeah, early in the third period when Nuge, I thought Nuge took a bad penalty. The orders up four or two, and he did. Nuge got uh, cross checked, but it sure wasn't is. a really hard.
1: It hurt. It's what my it take. Well. He got him under the armpit, you know, in right, the ribs. Right, it hurt. And Nuge just turned and hacked the guy, and the ref, of course, didn't see the yeah.
0: That was that. That was thing. can't. You're up no, to. It's early in the third. You can't do that. So that 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 bothered me. That that penalty. But right near the end of it, uh, Yamamoto made a great play where the others were exhausted, and he got yes. it out. So. You mentioned yes, that already, but yes. it was, it was fantastic. Bruce, my second good thing is the play of Leon Dreisaitl tonight. He he had his best game in a long time. Maybe he's feeling a little healthier. I hope uh, yeah. we don't really know what was ailing him, but, uh, but he really, he really had a strong game. He had a goal and an assist. Um, he started out the game uh, on the po He started out the game, uh, at even strength right early in the game. He got a, uh, Hard shot on net, and then he got an on the power play uh, five minutes into the game. Uh, he got off his executioner shot. That one didn't go in, but the second time he was able to to ramp that deadly shot up, he scored a goal. I think that's when Sorokin didn't have his stick, no. and um, we're just it, it was it was it was another good moment in the game because um, the others had, had been just pouring it on and at to that point they had one two three four five six seven eight grade a shots already and they hadn't scored and i was thinking oh, they're gonna get they're gonna get goalied maybe you just because i wrote that post about them getting goalied i was thinking it's gonna happen again and this is the,
1: and himself did it early in the season shut him out it.
0: that's it he's such a great goalie and i just they're they're not able to beat this guy they're not going to get rewarded and then they were rewarded for all that hard work and a good play with Leon uh, cracking in that goal. And on that power play, there was so many moments where they got the right bounce, mm-hmm. where the Islanders came close to just getting it um, and, and getting it out. It must have happened between five and ten times on that power play where there was loose pucks or or moments uh, where the Islanders were just so close to getting the puck out and they weren't able to do so. And I am thinking, oh, this is this is unusual. The <laughs> are getting some, you know, it, it's in some games it just seems like the bounces are always going their way and they can't get anything going on. But this game, mm-hmm. right in that moment on that power play, every, they got to every puck first, and finally um, uh, Connor McDavid puts it over to uh, to Drysidle and scores. Now, was that the one? That was the high slot one, right? I, I think I remarked on. Yes.
1: This. Yeah, the pass so, came from the high slot.
0: Yeah, so the orders have, and I think this is a, a, a new wrinkle in the power play this year, which they which they go to a lot because I think Drysdale's been and I have, I'll have to check this. I think he's been able to get off his executioner shot more often this year, and there's a reason why. It's because um, when they have Nuge going down the wall or McDavid going down the left wall right now, they will the, the other one if you're if it's Nuge going down the left wall, it'll be McDavid who'll creep out to the high slot, and Nuge can then pass back to McDavid and McDavid is then in position to shoot or he's got a really good angle to set up Leon for the one-timer. And that's exactly what happened there. And often it's Newt who's in the high slot, McDavid coming down the left side and and putting it over to Nuge. who, again, he can shoot or he can pass. It is an extremely smart um, offensive um, setup and extremely difficult with such great passers as Nugent Hopkins and McDavid to defend. Other teams really are are stymied because that guy going fast down the left left wall, he could easily just throw it right across. And they have to respect that the two forwards. So when you put it back to the guy in the high slot, he's usually he's usually got time and space to make a play. And you give Nugent Hopkins and McDavid that kind of time and space in the slot area. Well, this is why this has been a historically good power play. This is one of the, the big reasons, one of the big uh, differences this year. Are we on bad things, Bruce? Are we?
1: Okay. Yeah, got one? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, I got one. Uh, my bad thing is uh, Sportsnet. Uh, tonight it was really bad. They kept missing face-offs. And this was a get, right after the game, we talked about them extensively. And I don't really want to keep an eye on what's going on in the defensive zone. Well, time after time, it seemed like they were showing a highlight package that had something that happened earlier in the game or something that happened last month uh, or in the distant past. And then you would hear the, the unmistakable clash of sticks the puck being dropped and the sounds of the game going on and you'd still be looking at this old video or something else and then they'd peel back to the game and it'd be three or four seconds later and the puck would be in the corner or it'd be out in the neutral zone or, you know... And, sorry, guys. You're covering the game 60 minutes. I asked for 60 minutes of effort for, from the Oilers. I asked for 60 minutes of coverage from Sportsnet. Don't miss the first five seconds of so many plays. You know, it's just a little thing but some nights it's... uh uh, you know, it's it's more annoying than other nights, and tonight I was starting to get annoyed by that. And I wasn't annoyed I think, by a whole lot from the order, so I'm just going to single out Sportsnet. You guys are wearing the goat horns for the bad thing tonight.
0: I, I think it's they're <laughs> just think they it's a just it's a little bit they think they're the show, like that we're well, watching. They are and, in you, some you sense, you know. But but yeah, show offs, the game. Show the game, like show the whole game. Just make that job one. Yep. show the whole game and work around that. We mm-hmm. don't want to see some highlight reel. We don't want to see well, anything else. We don't, see to, we don't want to see you talking we don't want to see you talking to some country western singer when the when the game is going on. Right. As much as we might like the guy's songs, we don't want to we don't want that. We want to see the game, the whole game. And um because we like to analyze things and pick things apart.
1: <laughs> now, the other little beef I got with them, and they're getting worse on this, just show there's a special name for this thing that I've forgotten, the little score clock that, you know, the time clock yes! in the corner that runs yeah. throughout the game, and they cover that over with this inane information about, you know, what the, some team is, you know, three for the last 28 on the power play. Well, either show that somewhere else or show the graphic while the puck isn't in play. The, that clock is a big, big part of of uh, what's going on, you know, there's a lot of information in there. I mean, for this work that we do, it's, it's essential. And uh, you know, quit covering that thing up. So maybe
0: we'll add like- that
1: to my to my uh, uh, <laughs> list of uh, I got to whine about something, right?
0: <laughs> well, maybe we feel that more acutely than others because we do need to time step. We're looking to time-stap the grade-A shots. But I do think most fans want to know how much time yes. is and Sometimes it's no. for like 30, 40 seconds they're showing. No, let's show two, all the starting
1: lineups of both teams while the game is in play. Well, ah, show, yeah. it during the, show, show it during the stoppage. I mean, this game lasted two hours and 25 minutes, and exactly 60 of those minutes were live hockey. So you got 85 other minutes to show your commercials and your panels and you know your highlight reels and your 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 video packages that's lots of time put all that stuff in there yeah show the that, game yeah
0: and I, I, they do a good job. I, I like a, a, a lot of what they're doing. I don't, I don't. I'm not saying they're do like we're not. I'm not trying to say this is a terrible. You know, they're doing a you bad know, job. They're doing a good job. I'm just but this
1: singling is, out one thing, like we single out one defensive mistake on oiler yeah. It Might have played a pretty good game, but uh, sometimes that defensive mistake is annoying, and sometimes it's important.
0: I just my my concern is I think they're getting longer with it and they're doing it more. Mm-hmm. They're showing yes. fewer face offs and they're and they're way longer. You know, as soon as it's going to be ten seconds into the play that we'll, mm-hmm. we're going to see it. So stop this trend in the tracks, reverse order, and just show the whole game. Okay, my bad thing, Bruce. Uh, the Oilers are up four to one. They have the foot on the throat mm-hmm. of the Islanders, as you mentioned to your uh, to fellow fan, Lynn Mercero, last game. The the yeah. the foot was firmly on the throat. And minute left in the period. Cody Cece gets the puck, puts it up the boards. It's a safe play. He had a safer play. could have put it back to Tyson Berry, but this was also a safe play. Zach Hyman was there. Puts it up, and and Hyman, he's concerned about getting hit, which I understand, but just stop the puck. Like, you know, stop the puck. You don't have to get it out necessarily, but you can stop the puck. You could put it back to Cece, or you could just freeze it against the boards, and he just lets the puck go right by him. And yeah. it, it was, Hyman is a, he's a hard man of hockey in a lot of ways. He's a hard, he plays a hard game, a physical game, but that was a bit of a soft play. Uh, it was a la- lack of intensity, concentration, focus, and it cost them a goal because it goes by him right to the point And, and.
1: Um, doesn't get out. like it was Doesn't get out. From the line, right?
0: Yeah. Doesn't get out, goes to the defenseman and the defenseman puts it at the net and it's deflected in. And now it's four two, and you and you have a hockey game because they've scored with with you know the chances aren't great. They're going to come back, but these are the Oilers, and Jack Campbell. All due respect, was in net, and he's he's had a hard time of it this year. So you just never know. We they didn't need that play, and he needed to bear down and and make the play. I mean, it's a it's Trip a small it thing. Zone, yeah, yeah. In the scope of the game, every player screws up now and then. I mean, how about that Czech player in overtime who was charging up the ice on the uh, rush and just. Unforced air gives it to the Canadian defenseman to Oops. send the puck in the other direction. These things happen in hockey, but, yes. you know, um, we, there's been such a chorus of them with the Edmonton Orders this year, and I, I guess uh, we're just sensitive, <laughs> we're a little sensitive right now to these kind of mental intensity, lack of lack of ten- uh, intensity, um, mental error kind of mistakes by the orders and Hyman made one on that play, so... Um, That's my bad thing tonight. Your number.
1: Yeah, my number is 21 to zero. This is phenomenal. Uh, This is from Natural Statrics a recording of uh, high danger scoring chances, which is uh, roughly uh, the analog for our five alarm chances our grade a scoring chances for sure for our grade the, a chances, the yeah. high danger chances that they uh that they record at uh, and of course they do it by uh scraping the data for wh- how far the shot was what kind of shot it was how far uh you know what position on the ice it was uh without actually seeing and analyzing it so we do it a little different but in this game, this is in all situations, Oilers had 63% shot attempts, 64% of, uh, well, 63% also of shots, 72% of scoring chances, 100% of high danger chances, 21 to 0. I don't know which number is more impressive. I'm going to go with the zero as being extraordinary. I mean, zero high danger chances for the other team. I mean, we had the two goals as as high danger chances. And the Barzal goal was from a little distance out there. You can see why they might not consider it high danger, but it was kind of an, he was open and he was a sniper and he sniped it right in off the bar. Uh, the Clutterbuck one, I'm not quite sure how uh, Natural Statric missed it, but I'm just looking at their official count of the game. And out of it, they had uh, expected goals of 4.7 for Edmonton and 1.3 for New York Islanders. In other words, Edmonton was full value and then some for the clear victory of four goals to two. You know, by yeah. this, they should have won 5-1, which was actually the score I was hoping for.
0: I don't know how the, how the Barzell goal also, because it was in within home plate, how that escaped their 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 measurement uh maybe it was marked down wrong by the the score like the person marking it on the um the official score the nhl official score i think it was with it was definitely within home plate i mean i was thinking mm-hmm. this could be a, a five alarm you know it was right. five, i don't know do we have it as a five alarm I'm trying to think it was like he he really that, well those shy. were the
1: only two we had for new york yeah North
0: he North really Rose. uh no we actually didn't have that one as a five oh. alarm no which one another oh, okay. we uh, they had a power play one that we had as a five alarm shot in the first period. We didn't peg the Barzell shot as five alarm just as a grade A shot. Right. But um but the, the real mystifying one was the clutterbuck one, because that was yeah. just right close to the net that he made that tip. So yeah, I would have given maybe, that
1: one under any system, I would Yeah.
0: Thought. Maybe there was some kind of glitch. Who knows? Uh, not every, you know, every system has its warts.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, so, these yeah numbers say dominance by the Oilers. And uh, they they sure didn't give the New York Islanders much in this game. Yeah. And when they did get in trouble, more often than not, it was the Oilers' defenders uh, that made big defensive plays in front of their own net. Uh, Darnell Nurse, for example, I thought he made three great defensive stops in the last half of the third period just by pick, cutting out dangerous passes with the stick in this lot. And he wasn't the only one. I mean, dry settle, How many times did he pluck a puck out of someone's skates and move it, move it out and to a good spot? Including that one, he whipped up to to Hyman, which when you were saying Drysaddle was a good thing, I don't think we quite got to that play. Oh, geez, yeah, a <laughs>
0: great stretch pass. He won. The, yeah. he, gets the he puck pulled under. it
1: out of the guy's stick, bam, out of the guy's skates. One look, bam, Hyman's in on a breakaway. Yeah, ball. I forgot that one. That was a, that <laughs> was a fantastic play. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, Bruce, my number is related to, uh, to the number, to the Oilers dominance as well. It's my number is numero uno. This was, this was the best defensive performance of the Edmonton Oilers this year. It is the lowest amount of grade A shots they have given up in a game. They gave up just the, uh, four and the previous low, let me just go through, looks like seven in a game. Previous low for another team is seven in one game, and that was against the Islanders again. The Islanders mm-hmm. only had seven grade-A shots.
1: They had the lead all of that game, though, so it's a and whole they, different equation. They were they yeah. were sitting on the lead, and the Oilers were pouring it on, whereas this game, the Oilers had to defend the lead, and they did very successfully.
0: They sure did. In the third period, for instance, the... Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have the Oilers with even one, or the, excuse me, the, the Islanders didn't even have one grade A shot in the entire third period, according to Dar. You know, there was the, there was one that was a little bit close on the power play, but it was it was from pretty far out, that one-timer shot, and um, it was, Campbell was easy, it was easily read as well.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, um, he was so, right but, for that one. Yeah, he was right there. You know, usually the goalie has to be moving um, if for a shot that far out to be counted as a grade A shot, and he wasn't really, he wasn't moving, he was set. So they didn't have one grade A shot. They only had four the whole game, the lowest total of the year that the owners have given. They should have more team meetings, obviously, Bruce. Mm -hmm. They might get a little tired of them. But Mm -hmm. nonetheless, uh, it's like superstition now. They got to have a team meeting and Mm -hmm. everyone's got to really say angry things Mm -hmm. about the guy next to them.
1: (laughs) They got to bring their dirty laundry to every meeting, air it. And then put on clean laundry and go out and play the game.
0: You know, maybe what they did was give some of the young guys some real encouragement. Like, say, like, listen, we need you, yeah, Brian McLeod and Philip Brobury and Dylan. Hull. We need yeah. you well, to I play. Them you guys are talented hockey players. We need you to start to s- s- play with some confidence, to go for it. Don't yeah. worry about making mistakes. Go for it. Maybe that was the message. I mean, because you just never know what, what works. I mean, ripping on people depending on the person i mean they're getting ripped on it all the time these guys uh, by us and others um it's just a, a chorus of ripping so maybe there was some support <laughs> maybe it was more like a support meeting than than um uh <laughs> full <laughs> of accusations we have no idea what it was like all right
1: yep. um, maybe they did, said things like Okay, Kyler, when I pass you the puck, it doesn't mean I want you to pass it back to me. It's because I think you're in the best position. Shoot the darn thing.
0: There you go. You know,
1: stuff like that. Yeah. Because the the young guys and all those guys you mentioned on Brovery, I mean, I thought he was really good in this game. And it's it's a real pleasant thing to watch. He So many puck retrievals by him. And almost all of them were, you know, handled basically flawlessly. With his, with his with his speed and his long reach he was fishing pucks off the end wall and distributing them and there was no trouble that came out of it at all
0: I, I like his defensive game
1: mm-hmm.
0: I mean I just like how Kami is and able to because he's so big and he's got such he's so rangy and he's so fast and agile on his skates mm-hmm. he, he can fairly easily keep up with most guys and shut mm-hmm. them down like take you know they can't get around him and it's it's that is something that's kind of encouraging to see in a young player. So, I just, uh, I, I, Bruce, I think Philip Broberry is right now playing better than Brett Kulak. And I'd like to see the ice time reversed at this point. But let's see, let's let's give uh, Brober the second pairing minutes, figure out a way to do that, and pull Kulak back a bit until he gets his game in order. And, you know, he he had an okay game tonight, Kulak, but he was also uh, one of the culprits on the first goal against. He made a couple turnovers, and then Two he did Two in a row. Didn't cut out the pass either. Uh, where um,
1: that could have been my bad thing, but we've nailed Kulak a couple times lately. We, we haven't hammered have. Sportsnet all year, so <laughs> <laughs> I've been picking on Kulak. Uh,
0: so, but you're right. Like anyway, I I think Philip Broberry has earned some more ice time mm-hmm. here, and I'd like to see that. I think he oh. he because uh, they they need to know. Again, they need to know. Can they count on this guy in the playoffs, or or are they going to have to um, come up with you know? trading some dear assets for, uh, for a defenseman. Including friend, so. him,
1: potentially, so yeah, time exactly. for him to make his cases now. It and sure I is. For- tonight, I mean, hopefully it's not just an outlier game, but tonight was a game I thought we saw uh, uh, a significant showing of what this guy is capable of. And I, I, I think what he's capable of being is a pretty reliable defenseman.
0: You know, Oscar clefbaum at this stage of his career was a bottom-pairing defenseman on the Oilers trying to break in with the team um, and um, doing an okay job of it. That's exactly what Philip Broberry is now, and I, I think they have, he has the same kind of potential as a player as Clefbaum. And Clefbaum, Oscar Clefbaum before he got injured, was rounding into a number one D-man on the Edmonton Oilers. He was becoming a very, very good hockey player, and then he got then injuries ended his career. So I see the same development curve with Broberry. I think it. I just uh, you know, there's talk of trading him. I just don't like to hear that kind of talk. I um I I want I at least until you're really sure what you have with the player, if because we're seeing signs. We've been I think he's been getting steadily better since from the start of the season. Um, even battling through injury. So I just want to see how far this can go right now.
1: Well, he all played right. 13, no, 12 minutes tonight, uh, almost equal in all three periods. Like they were still using them deep into the third period. Yeah. And uh, whereas uh, Line and they went with seven defensemen tonight, he only played three minutes and six seconds. So he only got like a small handful of shifts, and and uh, uh, Broberry was clearly, you know, having a better night. So basically they – they shortened the the D rotation to just the six guys. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well that makes sense. I, I mm-hmm. thought that made sense. Why, why wouldn't nice you do that? Do. Alrighty, Bruce. Next up, Saturday, right?
1: Yep. Avs. Right. Oh. As we write as we're doing this, they're trailing Vancouver three to two in the third period. So they might be coming in hot as in mad. That's all right. Oilers, Oilers owe the Avs one by now, and I suspect that they're... Uh, uh, don't think they'll take them lightly. Let's put it that way. If they take the Avs lightly, then we really do have a problem. Indeed. All things considered, Stanley Cup champions, team that knocked Oilers out last year. Yeah. All that jazz.
0: Well, the one of the narratives about the Oilers this year is, well, teams get up to play the Oilers, right? Well, okay. Here's where the Oilers should be getting up to play the Avs. Mm-hmm. This is yep. this is their moment to to get Every, highly motivated for a game.
1: Everyone gets up for the champs. We saw that throughout the dynasty years. Only, yeah. Only, especially road games, the Oilers went against a team that was highly motivated and you know took a good effort to beat them. And usually the Oilers were good enough to do that, but uh, they they rarely had you know real soft opponents that that weren't were disinterested. Let's put it that way. So.
0: Yeah. All Bruce. Well, let's leave it there. Thank you for talking tonight.
1: Thanks for listening, everyone.
0: And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.